0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Test Case Scenario. I'm Jason Baum, and with me, as always, are Evelyn Coleman, Nikolai Evelokin, and Marcus Merrill. Hey, guys. Howdy. Hey, everyone. Hey. All right. We're going to go into another topic this week. This week, um, I want to touch on something we were kind of having a conversation about off-camera and sort of pathways- into tech and especially it's a a current topic, right? How can I find a a role in tech? You always hear that kind of buzz people want to be in tech um, or make a career change and they're not really sure where to start. And when I was somewhat new to Sauce Labs, I got to speak to a lot of QAs and they were giving me their stories. That was actually thanks to uh, Nikolai who shared (laughs) a calendar link to direct to my calendar with his audience of like hundred thousand QAs and Estates, uh, who I'm sure are listening right now. So thanks for scheduling some time with me, all of you. And, um, I was flooded. Like my calendar was flooded with people and it was really cool to talk to everybody because everyone had a pretty unique story. Some were similar though. And a lot of them said QA was their entry point to tech. And so it would be interesting to kind of throw that out to all of you um, and kind of get your viewpoints on that topic. Um, So I think to start, we have to sort of understand testing as a career. Okay, Evelyn, so... um, you kind of brought the topic up initially when we were talking about it off camera. Sorry to put the spotlight on you, but I don't know if you have like a question that you were thinking of to sort of lead us off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I thought that it would be pertinent to get um, the backgrounds of our own hosts that were in tech. Maybe we could start with Nikolai.
2: Yeah, sure. So for me, my journey was interesting. I I, I would say probably not atypical in the QA space, automation engineering space, I bet Marx is similar, but um, I actually started in college pursuing computer science because my parents were both programmers and I thought that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to program computers. And then I got to like Calculus 2 and started doing those calculations. And then I was like, why in the world am I doing these calculations when all I want to do is program a computer? So I dropped out, switched to kinesiology, which is like the study of the human body and movement and nutrition and so on. And then towards the end of my degree, I wasn't liking it. And so um, luckily my mom was working uh, at NIH as a developer. Uh, She got me a job as a QA, um, started trying it out. I liked it. And then having a little bit of programming skills, jumped into automation at the time it was... Quick test professional was one of the tools that was Marcus drops his Marcus is like, (laughs) um, maybe most people, many people these days will never even have heard of quick test professional, but, uh, back in the day, it was maybe that and Selenium were the top two tools. Um, and then from there just built my career. So kind of stumbled into it, um, because there was a need and there was pay that was getting, and, um, I liked it. It was interesting. And then I continued to grow and my career continued to be more and more interesting the more and more time I devoted to the space. I
1: love Marcus?
2: that. When did you become a teacher, Nikolai? When, when did I become a teacher? Yeah, Udemy teacher. Oh, a Udemy teacher. Um, I started c- creating video tutorials in 2013. Um, then I rebranded again in like the... 2015. And that's when I started like doing Udemy and YouTube. Why did you cool. decide to do it? Why did I start to start creating tutorials? Yeah. That wow, great questions, guys. Uh so I started decided to start doing it because um back then, and I'd be curious in Marcus's opinion as well. Back then, the amount of resources that we have today was not like that. There was very few. I remember like when I started, I read all the books on automation and testing. There were, there were maybe three to five. I read them all within like a few months. And then I was like, how are people figuring all this stuff out? And so then I saw there was a lot of challenges and there wasn't any content. So I'm like, well, let me start creating content and helping people follow my journey and learn from the lessons that I learned and hopefully it elevates them and they can avoid the mistakes. And that's how I got started. And And I still want to say, though, which is very interesting, some people learn from my mistakes. Most will still argue about whether what I'm recommending is good or not. And so most are redoing the same thing that I used to do, which is kind of frustrating.
0: That's really funny and frustrating, I'm sure. It's interesting you said that lack of materials, because when I was talking to the people who you referred to me, they said that's still an issue the amount of content that's out there that's viable good quality, quality content. content.
1: Yeah. I would agree with that. As yeah. somebody who's a little bit less technical than y'all, I have tried to take like make my foray into um even just learning to write automation and you get really hung up if the tutorials aren't absolutely perfect. Um, For example, you could be setting up for the tutorial and following all the instructions and you're dealing with terminal. And if you, you know, like, you know, command line things and, and you're following the instructions and you get something wrong and you don't have the skills to find it and erase it and fix it or go back two steps, you're done. There, there's nobody to help you unless you want to ask on a forum and wait for several days it absolutely kicks your motivation in the pants um it a lot of tutorials don't build you the requisite skills along with the things that they're asking you to do um and and you get lost you know you absolutely get lost um if you're not around somebody that can help you
3: yeah, I I found that a lot in these tutorials because when when you, what I want now, when I want the solutions, I want a cookbook. But the problem is if you have a cookbook, but not the fundamentals, that's where you get stuck. And that's where I think fundamentals are crucial as they are in, in everything. Um, I mean, that, that kind of transitions to, I guess, to my background, which is that the fundamentals came late and with great difficulty. Um. But but now that I've got them, I, I I'm I'm completely converted over and would advocate for everyone to learn. You know, I, I would I would say everyone should spend several weeks doing nothing but command line work, learning VI, learning editing, learning batch, learning batch scripting. Because do having to, to be thrown in the deep end of that stuff will last you for the rest of your career. It will never be irrelevant. If you can like I remember at one point. Um, Ten years ago, when I was first learning Git, because I was always in previous uh, source control things, uh, it was I was thrown into the deep end, and I just had to work my way out through a little bit of coaching. But I mean, it was I know Git now like the back of my hand, and I'll never unknow it. And it's such a valuable skill. So fundamentals. Um, the the way I got started was uh, I, I'm going to breeze through this because I've got about fifteen years on Nikolai. Um I started off as a linguistics. Ma- sorry, sorry, no, no, no. I started off as a Russian major at the University of Texas. Studied Russian because it was 1993, exactly. and I, yeah. What do you get? I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to become a translator at the United Nations. I wanted to be in in the thick of rebuilding the Soviet Union because I thought that Russia, I still think Russia has, like, the most amazing culture, and I always just wanted to sort of be in it, be a part of it um didn't mesh well with school I was not a good student I dropped out and uh stayed out for four years and in that time I got uh, my first job doing computer stuff and it, it was in uh, it was in video games honestly I did design of video games at a very very low level doing level design user experience stuff like that um Then I went back to college, studied linguistics, not computer science. I looked into a computer science degree and like Nikolai, I realized how much math there was. And I was just like, I I can't, like all I want is the degree so that I no longer have to explain why I don't have a degree. It's all I want. Uh, And linguistics was the easiest way out. So I graduated linguistics, was able to parlay the Russian into a minor. And uh, then I, um, I got into a language called Perl, programming language called Perl. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Um, it is an amazing language. I got to know it so so well. It was my first, my 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 second love behind my wife. And um, at some point, I, I took various odd jobs doing Perl stuff. Just weird. I got to where I could do I could do anything. I could do anything with it. I could parse uh, gigabytes of text and transform them into a massive database. Uh, you know, query or 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 pile loads and loads of stuff into a database. I got to learn. Oracle systems, all sorts of stuff. And um, it was great learning databases, all that stuff. And then at some point, uh, someone said to me, and I, did, I will never know if this was a compliment or not. I think you'd be good at quality assurance. And I, I never understood whether that was meant as a compliment or not. That was uh, that was right after 9-11. So like weeks after 9-11, my contract at Advanced Micro Devices was up. And uh, um. I started a QA job like three weeks later, interviewed and got, got a job at a, a company that did web monitoring. And what's interesting is that I think as as has been implied here, normally when you fall into QA, and I mean that literally, like not, not literally, but I mean that um, absolutely, you fall into QA. I, I have yet to meet a single person in the industry who graduated from college thinking I'm going into QA. Or or went into the industry or anything, said, I'm going into, into QA. You, so the way I fell into QA was, was I explained it, but I, I fell in and, and I did automation on the first day. Um, the very first day, I wrote a Perl script that tested an API endpoint. Um, it was an API endpoint that was intending to um, be able to parse a URL and be able to tell you if a URL was uh, valid or invalid and be able to then hit the, the URL with a head command and see if it came back with a 200 or a 404. Um, Anyway, I feel like I'm going a little bit long here. API testing was my first love. And it is still my first love. And it is the weirdest thing in the world to me that around 2004, I got involved in Quick quick Test Professional. And I still have scars. I used QTP for four years. And um, it was made at that point by a company called Mercury. And I don't know if you all know this, but selenium, uh, selenium was named after the fact that the element selenium is the cure for mercury poisoning. Yeah. And so there is a video called Steel Cage Knife Fight. If you look it up on YouTube, it is a video where Simon Stewart is talking to Jason Huggins. They are the fathers of uh, selenium and WebDriver and they are each advocate they're each basically saying why their project sucks. Jason Huggins is giving all these reasons why Fileonium sucks and Simon Stewart's giving all these reasons why Webdriver sucks. And then they give reasons why the other project is great. They both give that cuz these were considered rival products at the time projects at the time. They were in competition with each other. And this uh this talk that they gave was intended to announce the merging of the two projects. Um there's probably a lot here we can cut, but the, the, the long and short of it is I started using WebDriver 48 hours after that talk. I trashed a three-year quick test professional project, and all of the work we did, all of it within 48 hours, deleted it, and within six weeks was back at full parity with Selenium, having a much leaner, much better performing, uh, and fully open source test implementation. You know, what's so interesting
0: is that you both kind of, and you, you said to everybody from every conversation, by the way, that I, that I had with a the QA, they said they fell into it as well. That and I, I, that's why I always felt like a, a kin, like I feel very connected to QA folks and, and because community is the same thing as a career. Um, you know, there's no classes for it. You don't go to college to be in, in a community. You don't study for it all your life. And you just kind of accidentally find yourself there because there's something about you that you'll probably go back and say, Oh, when I was doing X, Y, and Z, at least for me, I could say I've been building communities since for as long as I can remember. Because it's just something about me personally that I did, that I do, that brings me joy. And there must be, I'm assuming something about both of you, that at points of your the process of becoming who you are <clears throat> that need to want to fix things or, or find what's wrong with something was probably an innate thing there at some point. And I don't know if you know it off the top of your head. Or if not, I, I don't know. I, I saw Marcus immediately give me a a nod and Nikolai thinking. So let's start with Nikolai since he's in mid-thought.
2: Uh, one joke I was going to make to Marcus was you mentioned that was going to be your short version
0: of the story. <laughs> I was like, I can't
2: imagine the long version
0: <laughs> for the listeners oh God, uh, we had through. to cut out about 45 minutes there uh, <laughs> what you heard was the abridged version but but Marcus your story did explain
2: a lot about you which is very cool to hear yes
0: um uh
2: for me I don't know if I had honestly any innate desire to test or find bugs or create quality for me it was initially a job that paid money. I graduated in 2009. So times are hard uh, then. Um, college graduated college in 2009. So times are hard. Uh, it paid money. Uh, it was interesting. It was technical. Um, I didn't have to calculate volumes of cylinders using calculus too. Um, and so that's what set me off on that path. And then I saw a path towards more programming and more technical stuff. And there were so many roads. And then like I applied, uh, applied to other positions and I had like jobs fighting over me. And, um, at some point I was like, I can get a job anytime I want. This is fantastic. People are stressed about jobs. I have endless opportunities of jobs. I can go apply and have a new job tomorrow, you know? Um, and so that was the cool part for me. Yeah.
3: I I don't go ahead.
0: Oh, no, I'm sorry, Marcus. Go ahead.
3: I, I was going to say, I don't, I don't know if those days are over yet for someone at your skill level, Nikolai. It's possible that it's not like that anymore the last six, to eight months, but I, I could say the same thing. Like, I haven't had to stress about having a job, uh, getting a job in, in over 20 years because of, because of the niche that I have fallen into. And well, I feel very, very fortunate.
0: That's a very good segue for what I feel like could be the next topic here. So you said it was easy to get jobs as we all are all aware of what is going on in software or in tech industry, actually outside of the tech industry, other industries too. Um, You see this in television, you see this in, in a whole bunch of industries right now, layoffs like crazy. And it's a tough market out there Um, and words of recession and all that stuff. Uh, Is it still this QA and especially also with the term shift left, right? And as we think about the SDLC and the role of testing, are QA jobs still as prevalent? Are, is quality assurance still being looked at as a position of importance, like it was.
3: I mean, I, I feel like it's not, and I, I feel like um, this gets to a very much larger conversation around how, I, I mean, I blame everyone. Everyone is at fault because testing has not been considered strategic for uh, ever. It's not st- considered strategic unless literal lives are at stake or you're making hardware or, you know, something that actually where safety is an issue. Um, and I think it's because testers haven't made ourselves strategic, and I think it's because executives haven't recognized the value of testing as being strategic. And so I heard just this morning about a company that had eliminated its entire manual QA testing uh, staff, and I've hear have been hearing that a lot. I think that there still are a lot of testing jobs available for those who know how to write software. A lot. I think there's a lot. I mean, I, I don't think there's as many as there were, but I think there are a lot. But I think part of that motivation is that they want people who they can pull at a moment's notice to do feature development if they have to. That's my bet.
1: I think the tough part about that is, um, you know, I I went to, I did a coding boot camp and I thought I was gonna go become a developer uh, at one point in my life. And those entry-level jobs into web development are really tough to find, they're tough to get. People don't want junior folks. And so when you hear about these companies cutting all of their manual testers, um, that takes a huge chunk out of the entry-level jobs for getting into tech from certain angles. Um, Because now if they only want developers and nobody wants junior developers, or sometimes those junior developer jobs or entry-level developer jobs are really hard to find, Now we've just cut out a whole chunk of uh, bootcamp graduates, new grads, um, people with less than a year of experience, all that, so people who couldn't afford to do internships because they were working full-time to pay for college, right? Um, These, this idea that testing isn't the strategic, important thing in software um, has huge ramifications for uh, people looking for jobs.
0: So going back to the original premise, is QA a viable entry to tech?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Time has been changing. I mean,
3: it's hard to say. Like, you know, I think things are changing almost by the minute. Um, I have a feeling that it is still a viable entry into tech. It's just harder to get it. If you do get it, it's a better entry, but it's harder to get
2: I, th- I think I agree with Marcus in that the times right now are certainly making everything more difficult. You know, one area of opportunity and weakness that I see is we kind of touched on it is there is no formal education process for quality assurance. I mean, the the formal education system is broken in general, right? There are like Jason mentioned, there is no formal education for community uh, managers, which is like now such a big part of so many companies. So just education in general continues to lag behind in how the world is evolving. And so, but which sucks because how do you find these skilled individuals? But it also leaves an opportunity because now all these companies have all these needs and nobody's filling. So, you know, I think that's how in the past, at least when I had to look for jobs, it was so easy to get a job because oh, you're a skilled person with the skills I need, I'll get five job offers, you know, like that. And um, I don't know if that exists right now because of the environment, but I believe as things get better, that should continue to exist
0: until someone starts filling that gap. Well what, what advice would you give to someone who is trying to kind of to break into tech and is thinking about going the route of QA? And let's start with
3: marcus um i i haven't you know i haven't traveled this path but but i think one viable path is that there are a lot of crowd testing companies out there applause global app testing uh center code um i could probably think of a few more if i had to they basically do this sort of bug bounty thing where you can sign up and say hey i have an iphone i have a sony bravia television i have an alexa Um, I can be available to test. And then they sort of put out a call almost like Uber for testers. They say, I need this many testers to do this kind of thing. My bet is that if you own a fairly odd device, there's a chance that you could have a niche and you could be found that way. I would, what I would do if I were starting over from scratch right this moment is I would find a way to, I, I would do that work as much as possible, but also find a way to build automation into it and then just try to make sure i find the best bugs possible um and i would learn programming on the side uh, to the point where i would start contributing to open source and uh getting into the community and stuff like that i think those two things would go a long way i recognize that there's a privilege element there that you have to have time to do stuff like that but i i don't know if there's any other way i don't know if it's as easy to fall into qa anymore as it used to be
1: I don't, I'm not, I've never had to fall into QA, but I think another viable path could be um, support roles, support roles that work closely with QA. I know a lot of bootcamp graduates going straight into some really awesome support roles. Um, And if if you really want to get your foot in the door in tech, you'll, you know, you can go that route and then continue to work closely with QA, continue to practice your fund fundamentals and your coding on the side and get in the community. And I think you can crab walk your way from support into QA if you want to. Yeah.
2: Um, there are also freelancing opportunities that companies will hire people to find bugs. Um, and so that could be a great opportunity to go uh, find bugs, uh, user test, A-B test stuff. Um, It might be low pay for that, but that could be a great opportunity to start building your resume. Um, And then on top of what they're hiring you for, deliver extra value. Hey, by the way, I didn't only do user experience testing. I also did front-end performance testing using Google Lighthouse. Um, I also even wrote some automation. Here we go. I did all that for $25
0: and um, you'll work your way in. Really great advice. Thank you for uh, for sharing, uh, Nikolai, Marcus, and Evelyn, and uh, thank you for listening to another episode of Test Case Scenario. Um, please, if you like the podcast, hell, if you don't like the podcast, <laughs> uh, still click like and share it for us, would you? And uh, And send us an email, tell us what you thought, ask us any questions. We're happy to answer anything you want to know what sandwich to have today. We'll answer it. Uh, you want to know more about Nikolai's c- career progression? Tell us, uh, Marcus would, I'm sure would be happy to answer any question that you have or, or Evelyn. Uh, I am not as uh, they'll ask them. They'll answer. <laughs> no, I'll answer stuff too. I don't know what I'll answer, but, um, you can email us at community dash at sauce labs.com. Uh, It has been another wonderful week, another wonderful episode. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next time on Test Case Scenario.